Welcome to Life With Your Dog podcast. Our focus is educating dog owners, enthusiasts and dog trainers about ideas on how to train, manage, live and thrive with our dogs. To teach dogs to live in our society while our dogs teach us how to live in the now. I'm your host Panos Anagnostou. And I'm your co-host Luke Badman. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of Life With Your Dog. My name's Panos. And today, we're going to be talking about the three most important reasons why we teach obedience training. Obedience training comes in three components, practical skills, mental stimulation, or mental and physical stimulation, and relationship building. And I'm sure we can come up with more reasons why we would teach obedience, but people have asked me in the past, hey, why should I teach my dog these commands? Why can't my dog just do his own thing? Or... Why do I have to teach my dog to down? And yeah, okay, recall calling a dog to come to you. It's a pretty obvious one. But why do I have to teach my dog to go to his bed? Can't I just just stop my dog from doing things that I don't want him to do? And I think these are the general things that come my way. And I say, well, obedience training teaches us practical skills. And we're going to go into that. And practical skills so that you can control and communicate with your dog. That stimulation part of it isn't just about running. It's about getting that brain engaged. And relationship is you want to form some sort of bond so that you guys want to be with each other. So your dog wants to listen to you and so that you can improve your life with your dog so that everything is all nice and clear. And also you got to remind yourselves why you even got a dog in the first place. Some people may have a dog just so they can stay in the yard for presents. They feed the dog so that, you know, their German Shepherds runs up and down and barks at everybody that walks past and so nobody comes into the, into the property. And hey, it would work in that function. However, why not give your dog everything that he wants and needs so that he doesn't have to be stressed and neurotic, but still also give the presence. Where some people have a dog so that their dog can do everything for them, but then they're not sure what it is and how they should approach it. The last couple of weeks, I've been really focused on the whys. Why do we do these things? Once we understand the why, all the function in terms of what we should do kind of fall into place, or at least... I've taught you the whys, so then you can even go out there and look for, well, then what should I do and how should I do it? So there's practical skills, as I just mentioned, the recall, downstay, bed command. Bed means a placement command. You stay on that bed until I release you and other other forms of commands, teaching the middle, teaching a touch. And the reason for this is that it enhances your communication. If you can communicate with your dog, this is, we're talking about cross-species communication. You can't just tell your dog, stay over there, don't jump at that dog having the communication to be able to say, go on your bed. So then when your friend comes over and he sits on your couch and your friend's a little bit scared of dogs, at least you can communicate to your dog what you want. So there's practical skills is the first and for some people, they think it's the only reason why we teach obedience. You want to be able to give direction to your dog in public. So luring or teaching a touch command or even having leash pressure and teaching that you're in a tight spot at the coffee shop, you're in a tight spot when there's lots of people in line somewhere or you're managing your, you and your dog through a very busy environment. Having these skills gives your dog clarity and understanding of what he should do rather than be freaking out because there's kids running around everywhere and you want your dog to come to, not he's on your left-hand side, you may want him to come to your right-hand side. Using that leash or even teaching him to touch or just luring him or offering a gesture could work in that case. And you can tell him to down, he stays there. A kid comes up, oh, excuse me, just leave him alone. He's a bit nervous of, of people. So those practical skills becomes 
just like when we went to school and we learnt um, phonics, you know, A is A, but the phonics of A is A. The function of A and understanding A, B, C is to know what A, B, S is, for example. So, we learnt those things, put those sounds into words, put those words into sentences, paragraphs, stories, and we played around with that for so many years so that when you come into the real world, you can talk, you can read, you can write, you can put things into a clear order and people can understand you. And that's exactly what we're trying to do with obedience training. We teach the stuff very meticulously and very structured, but then over time it just becomes a thing that you do with your dog. And I think it's really important. And also not just thinking of practical skills, but there's little subcategories. So understanding, well, why should I do it? really gives you that motivation of what it is that you need to do. And everyone wants that dog. Everyone thinks it's really cool when I pull, you know, my dog's out of the car and I tell them, hey, wait there, down. I walk away. It's very casual. It's very, it's just natural. It's just what we do. I don't have to, I don't have to train them to do those things because they do it on a daily. Um, so make sure you know what it is, that, what practical skills you want to teach your dog. Because it may not be anything that I do, but it may be something else. So teaching a whole gamut of fundamentals and foundations. You never know when you'll need those. In terms of stimulation, it's a mind-body connection. So when the mind and body work together, a lot of people think exercise is a physical pursuit. Throw the ball for the dog, go on the bike and ride around the blocks. Yeah, doing that is great for fitness, physical fitness. The more they run, the more tired, the more they're running they need to do to become tired. And then now we have an athlete that needs to be, that is super fit, that needs massive running, where if you can match physical exercise with mental stimulation, then you have fulfillment. So, for example, last night it was about 10.30 at night and I was a little bit time poor. I have to take in consideration the ages of my dogs and their size and their physical capability, but I've got three dogs and they're very much different. I've got a large breed who's older, so so I've got a scooter and I ride up to the park. Me riding up to the park is I have to go slower when I have Spades and Nookie because Nookie's got small legs and Spades is big, bigger, larger and older. So he's not going to keep up like with Chili. I can go full speed with Chili, young working dog. Um, the guy can just run, run, run. So, but if I just did that only for him, that wouldn't be enough. He'll come back and probably be over, over aroused and then like dig that hole in the yard for frustration. So what I did is we went, you know, a crew, we've got to warm the dogs up. So we slowly cruise up to the park. Threw the ball for Chile. Now throwing the ball isn't just throwing the ball. I'm telling him to go around and do middle and to do the down and to do variations. I'm mixing it up. I'm rewarding at different times, working on new things that we want to improve. And also a couple of things that happen along the way. Like, for example, nothing major, but Chile, when he went and retrieved the ball from, uh, as I threw the ball with a chuck it. So he went out very far pulled it back, but now he's getting lazy. We normally he would drop it perfect timing and be at my feet and then I'll either tell him to go around or do something, but he would normally drop it and then just automatically run around me. But last night being super lazy and he last night he was in particularly he was particularly over aroused, like he wasn't thinking straight, you can see in his eyes. So I had to kind of like bring him back down a couple of notches. But he dropped the ball like at my feet, but with so much he was letting it go a little bit later. So he was dropping it heaps far behind me. And I'm like, hey, bro, what are you doing? Bring it back over here. I'm not, I don't want a new habit of me now going and grabbing the ball and then throwing it and then going to find the ball. Then before you know it, he's just throwing the ball there anywhere and training me to go retrieve the ball. So I, so my point here is that things come up in training where dogs find shortcuts and try to f- figure things out 
to suit their agenda, but you may need to bring them back. But this is all part of stimulation because now he's wasted time to go out there and grab the wall, bring it to my feet. After a few reps, he started dropping it back on my feet again. And that requires that stimulation. He has to think while so puffed out, while so, he needs to be able to make specific decisions. Sometimes I even get him to lay down. I can put him into down for about a minute and a half, two minutes, just to kind of wind himself back settle down and get some oxygen back into his brain while I'll do some training with Nookie. And Nookie's only, a, you know, a little tiny thing. But I train her and someone messaged me on um on Instagram not long ago saying, oh, thanks, I reckon you're the only dog trainer in the world that trains their little dog. I know that's not true, obviously. Um, heaps of people training all sorts of dogs all the time. Maybe what she meant is it's cool that I put the energy into the little girl. Now, I don't make her do heaps of stuff, but she needs that stimulation too. She's just as high drive. So teaching her spins and touch and down and come and just doing that for the reward for the ball is that extra stimulation. But also it leads into gaining a purpose, giving them a job. If you don't have any purpose, you you don't feel. Purpose is what gives us fulfillment and responsibility. Without that, things can be tough when, things can get really tough when curveballs come our way. So when Nookie got bitten, for example, and I share this example with you guys, it's the foundation and the rituals and the lifestyle we have is what brought her back and she didn't have any neurosis from those issues. Yeah, there's, there was obviously some lasting learning that she learned. Dog runs full speed at you. you she's, she obviously can get a little bit nervous, but five kilo dogs should anyway. So um, there's nothing dramatic is my point. However, I was able to keep her together mentally because of giving, keeping rituals and purpose and jobs. So, but also bottom line is that it's biological fulfillment for our dogs. So traditionally, not very long ago, Chile, for example, the Coolie, Kelpie, whatever, those sort of dogs were herding sheep. We had, um, I'm not sure what, I have to research it even further about what the Maltese and the Poms were doing. But originally they were doing some form of hunting, I'm sure. They became very much lap dogs and pet dogs. However, she has a high drive, high prey drive. She would chase all the rats in the backyard, keeps the rats at bay. So there's purposes and jobs that we have our dogs to do. And every breed had something traditionally that we did. Further back from there, there was instinctive behaviors that dogs did. The wolves, the jackals, the coyotes, the 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 common ancestor to the dogs and wolves and the, and the wild dogs we see now. There's instinctive drives, traditional drive, and then now we have domestic. So now we live in the domestic world, depending on your breed, the, your dog's breeding your dog's primary reinforces what he likes to be rewarded by, what it is that he likes to do. Does he want to sniff a lot? Does he want to, does he want to chase the ball? Does he want to um, play tug? Is he not interested in any of those things that just wants food? You need to find out what that is and giving them their biological fulfillment by making them work for the food, making them work for the ball, the tug. And doing that regularly on a daily basis gives them that underlying fulfillment so that they don't have to act out in bad behaviors, behaviors that we call bad natural normal behaviors that dogs display so same with humans we're hunter gatherers by nature fulfill what it is that you are i heard this recently there was a gentleman talking on his um on his post and he was saying how men males had like humans have three general instinctive um what we call them instinctive traits that we need to fulfill in our domestic life that sometimes a lot of us have missed out. There's the the farmer, there's the hunter, 
And then there's the warrior. The farmer is the one who's organizing and, and organizing the plot of land and knowing how to work within that. And there's a big fulfillment. And I feel that I, I feel like I can touch on all three of them. I, I have a desire for all three. Um, I like to work in the, I don't know, friends that are pathetic and they, and they don't have any interest in, in anything like that. So we either plowed the land and, and harvested the land so we can live. We either went out nomadically to go looking for food and, and being the hunter, chasing the animals and catching their, pre- catching prey and bringing it back to eat it. And then we had the warrior, the one that was, that was fit for the community to fight the other tribes and to give us defense. And then there's other ways to fulfill that and find what, which three, which one of the three you are. Um, sorry, ladies, I don't know what, what I didn't read. It was a man post. <laughs> so well, it didn't show the, 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 the other side of the gender and how to fulfill those traits. But my whole point here is that what is it that your dog needs to be fulfilled by? And how can we add that into an everyday life? That's practical. That's realistic. And that's also that also complements everything that you want. You don't want to teach your dog things that don't work towards you. Like just because your dog was instinctively bred to chase rats, you may not want him chasing rats in your backyard and bringing them into the house, you know, which we saw the other day, which is, um, which is kind of cool because I'm sure the rats will figure out because I had a client dog was, I don't even know if I talked about this last time, was was chasing the rats, ended up killing one of the rats and bringing it in. She did that like six times in the last six weeks. So the problem is a barking at night. But the issue is all these other things that are happening in the process. Like she's barking. That's what everyone notices. But she's hunting and she's actually being properly successful, which means she's got the highest reward ever, which means then it can be hard to give her any other biological fulfillment because she's getting the most rawest, realest one possible. So you want to make sure that you have good management and then you're fulfilling your dogs and it comes through you, which is comes to the last point of today's episode, which is talking about relationship building. Obedience training enhances your relationship and your bond because you bond through challenges. When you start to do, we'll say, difficult things together or challenging things together, and that ha- that's very, very true. You know, you may get into a new job next week and for the next three months, you bond, make some relationships, but then if turmoil happens at work and there becomes challenges or if if it's like a survival situation or even if it's just um, like a social situation, when when that conflict happens, we, we gather together with the ones that resonate and then through those challenges, the the evil boss and then those three employees working together having a common enemy or adversary means that they become stronger. Now, again, ridiculous analogy, but doing training with your dog and doing these tough things because your dog doesn't know how to hold a five-minute down, stay on command while this dog's walking past, doing that together and successfully making small baby steps closer to your goal means that it improves your bond. And that's what it is that we see when it comes to doing challenging things with your friends and family or getting through and overcoming it is that you do become closer. So think about that when it comes to working with your dog. But of course, it comes down to engagement as well. You're teaching your dog to engage and focus on you. The more focus and engagement we get, the more relationship is starting to become more enriched because your dog needs to get things through you no matter of what's happening around you. But talking about obedience training is that it improves our relationship and engagement as well as engagement and relationship improves our obedience. It goes both ways. It's fun. Training should be fun with your dogs. So if it's not fun, then your dog's not going to have a better relationship with you. So making training fun 
No, sorry, I shouldn't say making training fun. Training is supposed to be fun so your dog learns to earn a reward, earn some sort of reinforcement and to avoid undesirable situations. Now, of course, there's going to be times where you may need to correct your dog and tell them, hey, you're not allowed to do that. But people think that's damaging to bond. That, if done correctly, will enhance your bond and relationship because you're being clear with your dog about what you do want, what you don't want. There's less confusion, you're less frustrated, you're less angry. But then also your dog wants to know, well, if you're going to set the boundaries, I don't need to set the boundaries because I just need to get them through you, which is cool, which gives a dog more time to do the things that he finds desirable rather than trying to keep everyone at bay and to be chasing the cars and freaking out and stressing out about things that he doesn't need to be. Dog looks to you when they're unsure. So that kind of comes down to what we are talking about before through engagement when things are happening around us and they're not sure what to do. You offering obedience commands means that your dog feels a little bit more secure and will feel better, act better. And then of course it sets us up for future situations. And the last thing we have for today is talking about leadership skills. So the more that you practice your obedience, the, the more stronger your leadership skills become clearly. But let's just say you live in a family and there's another four other members of the family that don't do any of the training. You do all the training, your, your family don't, and your, do- and your friends, and your, sorry, and your family take your dog to the park and call your dog to come when he's chasing birds and he doesn't, but he always does it for you. It's because your relationship's strong, but I don't know if it's relationship building for everybody else. They expect the dog to just do the thing. We're here. We're talking about, well, let's get everybody to do a three to five minute session a day. Very short and sweet. Start doing some of the training out in the front and down the street in the park, always on a leash. Your dog doesn't run away from you. And work on all these qualities we've mentioned before, even if, even if it's with your seven-year-old son or daughter or with, um, you know, your mother-in-law that's always coming in now the house, you know, helping out. Um, with daily duties, if if we can just work on a little bit of engagement, a little bit of relationship building, a little bit of basic obedience training, things go a long way. And it's really, really important that we use obedience training for relationship building. And then once we have these, then we can talk about dealing with reactivity and behavioral modification. I really believe that obedience training is the foundation Now, so for some people, it's the answer to all their problems and some people, it's the beginning, the first three steps closer towards working on counter-conditioning desensitization and working on everything that we need to do and establishing boundaries and, you know, and knowing how to correct your dog and how to reinforce your dog so that they can make better decisions. Some people can use obedience training as a mask and a replacement of behavior modification but the problem with that is that yeah your dog doesn't lunge at the dog because your dog's super engaged and focus on you in the down stay or heal or whatever but when your dog's out of behavior when he's out of obedience training he may then react because he that's how he's been conditioned to be so obedience training shouldn't mask it it should help and assist us leading through to the next steps because through relationship okay so if we're talking about reactivity we're talking about aggression talking about anxiety If you have no way to communicate with your dog through practical skills, then how do you get your dog to do anything? If you're not fulfilling and stimulating your dog on a regular basis, then they're going to be jacked up and and over threshold all the time. So they're always going to be reacting or, or panicking and going into fear, anxiety and stress state of minds. It's better to keep your dog biologically fulfilled so we can keep everything under threshold so your dog's um, neutral, feeling good feeling positive rather than everything being either over exciting or, or, or over concerning. 
And then relationship, if you haven't got that relationship, why would your dog want to focus on you and feel good? And how would your dog know that you advocate for them out in public, for example, or when people come over or when you're going to leave them in the backyard? There's no relationship and it's all based on, oh, but the dog wants it. So I give the dog what it wants because it wants it. It's not the right thing. I know you want something. Well, what are you willing to do to get that thing? And that keeps us going in a forward momentum. So hope today's episode was well received. It was something that I think about on a daily basis. I don't just think about it on a daily basis for dog training, but I think about it with me. I think about it in terms of raising my son and and how um, and how I can think about it in everyday life. It just happens. I don't try to think about it. It just becomes a way of, well, I'm feeling a little bit edgy. Maybe I'm going to do a 15-minute workout, not so I can build my body, but so I can help my mind. You know, um, we sometimes forget we get so busy that we forget to do challenging things with the ones that we love. You know, challenging not in terms of bad challenging, but something that increases your bond and relationship. And and how are you communicating with the world around you? How are you communicating with your dog? How are you communicating with the strangers walking past you? So I think everything does connect. And it's important that if we can see those whys, I really do believe the the how and the what can become more present. So um something for you guys to think about. Thank you for listening to another episode. Really appreciate you as always. And until next time, have a great day. Oh, and sorry that we keep putting these out a little bit later, but oh, congratulations to Luke. If you've listened to this far of the episode, and we're sure we're going to talk about next episode, but Luke and his new wife have been married just over the weekend. So congratulations to you guys. Love you a lot. And um, But I'm sure we're going to hear more about it in next episode when me and Luke are on. So Have fun, be well, take care, train your dog and have fun. See you guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of Life With Your Dog. Please share with your friends if you're enjoying our podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help others find the show. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook, Life With Your Dog Podcast. My name's Panos and to keep up with my dog training adventures, tips and techniques, you can find me on Instagram at NP underscore dog underscore training, my website npdogtraining.com or my YouTube channel Nutris Pooches. Thanks for listening guys. My name's Luke. If you'd like to find out more about my dog training services, you can find me at ww.kizuna, that's K-I-Z-U-N-A, canine C-A-N-I-N-E dot com dot au. Uh, I'm also on Instagram at Kizuna Canine Training. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.